George Bush was the first one to send to China, representing the United States of America. Well, Bush family have been working with China for decades. And in the Bush family, you see the political wing and the business wing. It's somewhat like Hunter Biden. If you can't do anything, use your family connection and do business, make money. <laughs> Remember, they only sent their least competent son or daughter to do business. The more competent ones are doing the governing business. The more competent ones are governing us. And the George Bush, uh, W, W made, made a speech in Japan, also made like a six-figure, which was big news, but not like Clinton. Clinton is the king of that. The media try to describe Trump as such a narrow-minded, ignorant, and whatever, make enemy-making kind of uh, idiot. Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host, Sri Ayer. On this ongoing series about people in the United States with links to China, we have our latest edition. And joining us is Sasha Gong. Sasha, namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. Happy to see you and thank you so much. Sasha, always a pleasure to have you with us. And we have opened so many eyes during our conversations as to what happens in the United States, how did it all start, and so on and so forth. So today, we are going to talk about a very important topic, diplomats, and some diplomats went on to also become, you know, part of administrations and so on. So mm -hmm. I would yield the floor now to you, and I'm just going to set it up real quick so that we can get cracking on this one. Uh, tell me if you would like me to bring up the first slide now, or you want to talk a little bit before you bring it up. Yeah, actually, let me talk a little bit about this. Sure, 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 and sure. Because I spent some time to prepare for this chapter. And uh, of course, we well, the whole thing is based on Peter Schweitzer's book. But throughout years, I have heard so much about uh, how U.S. officials working for the Chinese. And uh, there's tons of reports on it. So today I was thinking of doing a chapter on U.S. high-ranking government officials. And finally, I said I have to limit it to uh, diplomats. Otherwise, it will be everywhere and it's very hard to group them. So the first slide, the title, U.S. diplomats go. in China. Not only in China, about China, what they do for China. You see, I put up a bunch of uh, pictures here. Of course, the first one, if you count, you have four secretary of state and three ambassadors. So <laughs> Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, and Madeleine Albright all happen to be Democrats. Actually, I determined not to do that, but I tried to search the Republican. Oh, actually four, one Republican, Condoleezza Rice. Yes. I tried to put more Republicans there and uh, then I research, realize Republicans like Mike Pompeo, some others, they have no chance, just no chance to work with China because Pompeo is so anti-CCP. But County yes. Rice does. So, and the three ambassadors have put there, um, two Republicans, one Democrat. So then the Democrats is on the very right-hand side, Gary Locke. He's Chinese-American actually ethnic Chinese, he's third generation Chinese. 
And on top of that, you see the man with white hair, that's, that's Brandstad, Trump's uh, ambassador to China. And of course, in the bottom, in the middle of that, we all recognize George Bush. But many people may not realize that George Bush Sr. was our first de facto ambassador to China in 1972. He was the first one after he came back from China. He then became the director of CIA. So that history, I may need to remind the younger generation. Nixon visited China in 1972. And after that, China and the US built a sort of a, a relationship, but not a diplomatic tie until 1979. So George Bush was the first one to send to China representing the United States of America. That's a very brief introduction to each one of them. Yeah, thank you so much, Sasha, because I couldn't pick out some of the names that you mentioned. So you were actually educating me too, and I'm supposed to be your generation, just shows you how ignorant some of us are. So please go ahead. The world is huge and there's so much happened in all these years. So nobody remembers everything. And uh, for me, I don't remember, I don't even know the ambassadors to India. I know a few people like uh, Stephen Hadley and they, they made quite important impact in US-India relationship, but I'm quite ignorant on that as well. <laughs> so uh, let's go to the next slide. The two lists. I put the list here, Secretary of State. Why I started from 1997, because before that year, before that time, China business was not much. There were US officials working for China in some, but at that time, remember China was still poor and uh, China business sort of uh, ignorable in a way. So after that, especially after 2000, we will see more and more high-ranking American officials working for the Chinese. And um, so you see on the left side, all the names of the a list of Secretary of State. And the, on the right-hand side, I listed 15 ambassadors to China starting from 19, actually it should be 1973, George Bush. I think George Bush went there in 1973. Anyway, so those are two long lists. And not everybody in those lists worked for the Chinese. As I said, Mike Pompeo did not, and if you see the ambassador's list, lots of them did not work for China. Or if they work for China, they work in a, some sort of very minor role. For example, and the first ambassador, full ambassador to China, Woodcock. Woodcock was the uh, chairman of the UAW, the United Auto Workers. And uh, he was the first ambassador appointed by uh, Jimmy Carter to China. I actually met him a few times when he represented US China Business Council to um, lobby the US Congress for, for a little while and on China's move, most favorite nation status. I don't think he, he got a lot of money from that, but he did. Well, what I remember he was, he might be the first one who 
actually took a role in the China lobby among all the ambassadors. And there also there are other people I didn't. It's if I try to list other people working on the foreign policy at diplomatic side, it would create a big trouble. I would not be able to go through it. For example, uh, remember when the pandemic came, 2020, yes. and suddenly all governments and uh, private meetings turned into online meetings. The biggest online meeting company is the company named Zoom. Named Zoom. And uh, just about that time, Zoom invited a new board member, McMaster, who left the Trump administration as national security advisor. He joined right. Zoom as Zoom's mm -hmm. board member. So now if you look at the Chinese, the big corporations, you go to the big corporations in China, especially those with foreign businesses, talk about Huawei, GTE, and any other companies. And look at the list, name of the board members and look at the advisory board, look at the senior advisor, you will find it's a who's who in American politics. Very amazing. A few years ago, a Daily Beast tried to an article on that, they found it's very difficult because, you know, first so many names and the, the changing names, and then the corporate are very secretive about it. But if you <coughs> do your research and the research orders, even the companies like Huawei and ZTE, who are on the list of US sanctions, you still find important American politicians working for those companies. How mm -hmm. many of these ambassadors spoke Chinese? For what I know, John Huntsman is the one who speaks best Chinese. And uh, others, Gary Locke speak Cantonese, but not Mandarin. And other than that, Winston Lord's wife speaks very good Mandarin. She's from Shanghai. And uh, James Lilly speaks some Mandarin. I met, personally, I met most of them, actually. Other than that, I'm not aware. And, and uh, about the Secretary of State? Secretary of State, I don't think any of them speak any Chinese at all. Okay. None of them speak Chinese, then <clears throat> they don't need to. Well, actually, I have a question. How many of them speak Hindu? Uh, yeah. Ambassador to India. India. <laughs> yeah. I think really? the answer might be closer to zero. I think there was one one guy, Indian American, who Hillary Clinton had appointed as Secretary of State. And mm -hmm. he probably may have spoken Hindi. There was one mm -hmm. other American uh, uh, lady uh, during the time of uh, 2012, just before Modi mm -hmm. came to power. She mm -hmm. spoke uh, Hindi. In fact, she did an interview with Modi on Hindi once he was chosen oh. as the prime ministerial candidate. Mm -hmm. And and if I remember correctly, she was recalled by Obama because of one mm -hmm. error that happened. I'm not sure the U.S. is going to own up to own up to this, but I have heard from reliable sources that there was somebody in India mm -hmm. telling the United States that there were a lot of skeletons buried in a certain place in Gujarat trying to say hmm. that there was a pogrom in the 2001 riots that took place. I don't know if you remember the 2002 riots that happened in India. 
it was a it was a communal riot between Hindus and Muslims. Right, and right. I remember that. Hundreds died on both sides. On both sides. And mm -hmm. Modi was the chief minister at that point of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some insinuations against him that he played it up for the masses and so on and so forth. Um, but there was an allegation that there were many more bodies that are buried in a certain place. And mm -hmm. I believe that was played up by the U.S. And then the U.S. actually did a satellite mapping of that area. And they found mm -hmm. a lot of bovine skulls. You know, bovine cow, mm. long faces, place where the cow cows were buried. Oh yeah. Oh, Big I carcasses. see. Carcasses. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, huh. and 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 I think something went wrong. I nothing came out, of course. And after that, she came back, and uh, essentially, some people made sure that Modi wouldn't get a visa to come to United States. The huh. interesting thing is, he didn't even apply for one. But they said he is being refused a visa. And, and, and there, was, there, was, there was active baiting against him in, in, uh, in US. Then dispensation of Congress, they had a visceral hatred of Modi because of what you're seeing out now, because he has been yeah. systematically defeating them in every state. And I'm afraid there is no proper opposition for the BJP, which is what Modi heads right now. And that's also a concern. In a democracy, you want two strong parties that's how the democracy functions best yeah. and right now the congress is in a state of uh, deep decline they call it it's an icu intensive care so hmm. that's how bad the congress party is i anyway, see yeah huh. so so good question i think two or three did speak hindi basically in in india not much deep research happens sasha american so, diplomat tends indians english is 10 times better than the chinese indian <laughs> they basically they're more like native native speakers there yes, in yes. english so they have, <laughs> yeah they have less communication problem but china is a different thing and yes. uh, for one one of them i know is john huntsman who was mormon and uh, he he spent at least two years in the in the in the mission in Taiwan. Speaks very good Chinese. And you know, John Huntsman tried to uh, run for president in two thousand twelve. Yes, yeah. If you remember. Yeah. Anyway, so these are the list, the two lists. Now let's go through uh, next. Actually, I did not how to put. Henry Kissinger in, let's go next slide. Henry Kissinger was Secretary of State and was National Security Advisor, but you know, Kissinger's time, it, remember he was, he was Secretary of State in 1974, right? 74 and uh, all the way to the Ford administration. Anyway, so after Kissinger, China, the Secretary of State did not do much business with China, private business, all the way until, you know, Madeleine Albright, who left in 2001. So uh, I was thinking of putting Kissinger in, in that list, but, you know, there, there got to be a big gap. So I decided to list him okay. as a separate slide. Actually, he worth it. And Kissinger, if you talk to people in the China trade, uh, people would, you know, American working in China, everybody appointed at Kissinger. So Kissinger, if you want to know 
American uh, doing business in China, Kissinger is the one to talk to. So Kissinger so far has done, well, he's still alive, amazing. You know, I don't know how many Secretary of State after him died, but he's still very much active and alive. It's Kissinger's reputation. You now Kissinger is neither a lawyer nor a businessman, you know, before he joined, he was academic. But Kissinger knows one thing very well, and which fits the Chinese. He opens stores. You know, Chinese in China, when you, it doesn't matter if you do business or do other, whatever trade you're in, you have to know people. In the Chinese, in Chinese language, it is called guanxi. And without guanxi, you're nobody. So everybody's looking for guanxi and buying guanxi. Uh, Kissinger has is nothing but guanxi. And of course, knowledge. You know, Kissinger, uh, if you look at that, that was one, the, the black and white, that was Kissinger with Mao. And Kissinger met when in 1971, met with Mao and uh, followed with Nixon's open China policy. And uh, he's actually, the Chinese recognize him to be the one who can persuade Americans in China policy. And well, actually he lived up to his reputation. If, if you look at from both China side and America side, every America president, whoever got elected would go to Kissinger, ask for his advice on China. And uh, in the other side, the Chinese, every Chinese leaders, from Mao to Zhou Enlai, to Deng Xiaoping, to Jiang Zemin, to Hu Jintao, to Xi Jinping, everyone met with Kissinger. And everyone wants Kissinger to speak for them. So, and Kissinger does deliver. It's what amazing. And each time when there's trouble in the US-China relationship, doesn't matter if it's about trade or it's about uh, South China Sea or whatever, Kissinger would speak out, not on behalf of China, but pro-China. In many ways, we all know Kissinger as is someone who always tried to persuade the Americans a good relationship China is good for America. So even he has the reputation of doing so much business in Beijing, and American politicians are still listening to him. That's the importance. And in the Chinese, they quote Kissinger. And the Kissinger actually, in the Chinese reputation, he started with uh, all this pro-China business and politicians and business. So viewers, I had the opportunity of watching a video link that Sasha sent me, and I'm going to put that in the description because I want you to see that. The more important thing there is he's this is a spokesperson from a university, I think. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yes. I mean, he's very articulate. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, university is, is called the major party school in China. Yes, yes. So uh, thank you. And, and what he does is he's laying out a, a platform, a rationale, a reasoning as to why China needs to trade with 
the other countries in its currency renminbi and his arguments are very convincing by the way he says that if chinese businesses who don't have native insurance they have to go on rely on the american and the west to give them the insurance policy and protection now if for any reason all of them go down for like a natural catastrophe the bill on the insurance companies looking like 3 trillion and the insurance companies can't pay up they are just going to go under either that or they'll say we'll stop doing this or they will not agree to uh, you know pay that so he, it sounds very interesting although my take on that sasha is the entire country mm-hmm. never you know get smashed unless there's a meteor yeah. or something like that but but he was trying to make the argument that it is better for china and chinese interests to have its own insurance industry then its mm-hmm. own currency and and we have been seeing this yeah. for a while now the digital yeah, renminbi yeah go ahead yeah something he mentioned he mentioned several times and i i will send you a more sort of a cl- uh, clarified video this in the same talk and he mentioned that the chinese have people american officials in in high places speaking for them he said they always get things done or this americans get things done for the chinese remember this people this person uh, whose name's last name is di di dongsheng he's not only a professor he was one of the um mastermind of the chinese diplomacy and he said he always get things done because whenever there's some us china conflict or things need to get done they will send him out to get things done so anyway uh, but kissinger henry kissinger was the first one to get things done and in that video he mentioned one very interesting incident is that when xi jinping 2015 or when xi jinping uh this before xi jinping visited the united states they had to clear the field for him to set the stage for him when they set the stage they premium promote xi jinping's book uh in politics and pro people in washington would know politics and pro is perhaps one of the most important gathering place for for book launching so they try to launch the book but xi jinping's book the the owner of the store says sorry we already you know that slot is occupied some somehow they found a chinese a lady uh, who was in the investment business and gave lots of money and cleared the field and they took the took that spot which was <laughs> close to be impossible anyway this is symbolically quite important you know for yes, yes. and, and uh, he was in his speech showing off how china can manipulate the united states through all this high ranking people so let's go after kissinger let's go to the next secretary of state madeline albright madeline albright again she was a professor was a diplomat she had no business background clinton's secretary of state and the first female secretary of state in the in the history of the united states well after she 
left the post in 2001. She started a group called Albright, later become Albright uh, Stonebridge Group. And uh, his partner was the man in the picture, Sandy Berger. Sandy Berger was Clinton's national security advisor. Yeah, well, when you, we go through the presentation today, you will see how the Republicans and the Democrats, they group together. Group together, not only making money, but making influence in the future. They group their people, they groom their people for the future. So here what you see is that I put three pictures in and uh, you see Sandy Berger there. And uh, down there, you see Linda, oh gosh, his, her name just skipped. Well, the current secretary, United States ambassador to United Nations, yeah. uh, Linda Thomas. Anyway, she also works for that group, usually called AG, ASG group, Albright Stonebridge group. And uh, that, I have that sentence here, which is from their own website. He said, the China practice is the firm's largest single country practice with full-time senior level professionals uh, based in Beijing, Shanghai, and Washington, DC. Remember, they only mentioned two cities in China and one city, the capital, in the United States. Our team of 30 professionals supports clients across a wide variety of sectors. Actually, they, they said they have a team of 30 people. Among 30 of them, 14 of them are working in the China field, headed by a Chinese, former Chinese official. Wow. And uh, what they serve, they will service across your energy, uh, food industry, uh, shipping, all sorts of whatever business they take or business. And uh, I have no idea how much money they make from China, but we are talking about hundreds of millions throughout years. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, and not only that, in the current administration, of course, the ambassador in current administration, and lots of people, high-ranking people in the State Department came from that group. So you see how government and the business, they treat it as a swing door. One day you work in the government, build all the connections you can build. Next day, you work in private business, making fabulous money. This is one example we see here. I have a question for you, Sasha. Sorry, yes. uh, you just struck me. Mm -hmm. man. I think it's important to remember this. Under Trump administration, wasn't there a dialing back a little bit of these kinds of influence peddling firms? Actually, well, Trump wanted that, but did not really happen. Well, you know, President Trump had a tremendous problem dealing with the bureaucracy. And for example, in the beginning, Trump said, well, Trump wants to make an order. If you work in the, for the White House, after you leave the White House for five years, you cannot work for a foreign company. But that never actually became the law. Mm. Normally it's one year remain one, one year because I knew many people, actually I knew a bunch of them who actually left and worked for foreign companies a year after. And not only that, 
Trump could only control the White House and uh, if some extent the administrative branch. And if you talk about Congress, talk about uh, people working for the Chinese government. You know, uh, the firm uh, Patent and Box represent the Chinese embassy in Washington, D.C. You know who works for them? John Boehner. No. Oh, John wow. Boehner. Speaker of the House. <laughs> Speak up the house, and he's only one. There are several other congressmen working are working for them, so they are representing the Chinese embassy in the United States. Honestly, I really don't see much change after that. As I mentioned, McMaster worked for Zoom immediately after he left the White House. I think two or three months. Nobody's stopping him, hmm. and I don't know how much it paid because it's private business. It's all kept in secret. <laughs> and another one who's working, you know, in some firm related to China is also James Mattis, Secretary of Defense. It's now working in a firm, working, well, I forgot which firm, because you have to forgive me, there's so many. All these yes. firms are working over. It's very hard for me to remember everybody. Of course, understood, understood. But I come across, you know, that the data. Let's go to the next group. Next group, you know, tried, I put Republicans there, and it's the Bush family. Bush family, well, Bush family have been working with China for decades. And in the Bush family, you see the political wing and the business wing. George Herbert Walker Bush did the Bush Senior. He well, he's a politician. He later became president, and or uh, well, and he never worked in the China business himself. But his brother Prescott Bush did. I thought Prescott Bush was his father. Father is Prescott's brother is also Prescott. Oh, father okay, okay, was okay, senator. Okay. Father was senator Prescott. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So, and you talk understood, about understood. Yeah, understood. So, so viewers, uh, you know how in Indian culture we name mm -hmm. our uh, children after our grandfather. So they skip mm -hmm. in one generation, but in the I West, see. they they call them the, the the children are named after the father, and then they put a junior at the end to say yeah. that this is the junior. So please go yeah. ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah. In China, never happens. Your father's <laughs> name is supposed to be sort of, it's forbidden to say your father's name traditionally. So <laughs> no way you name your, you know, the Chinese have another name, naming system. So Prescott Bush actually worked with the Chinese telecom companies or uh, energy and the different sectors. He went to China quite often. And he said even in his, his 80s, he went to China twice and three times a year doing business. And it's very quiet. Everybody knows it, but you're not supposed to talk about it. So the Chinese actually rarely talk about it. He doesn't show up in the Chinese media quite much, but that business is quite well known. But the, the more pro-China business and the China business person is a brother, another brother, not the senior, it's George W. Bush brother. You see, in his generation, you have Jeb Bush, you have uh, uh, W, they are both politicians, and one become president twice, and one try to run for president. 
but they have a brother who's named Neil Bush. Neil Bush had lots of trouble, like in the, uh, divorce and the drinking, whatever trouble he had. He's the business person. Words are this Bush could not do much, you know, in politics and other fields. So he had to do business. It's somewhat like Hunter Biden. If you can't do anything, use your family connection and do business, make money. They make fabulous money. A new Bush, I actually have his cell phone, <laughs> uh, uh, possess his cell phone because I once tried to interview him. Anyway, <laughs> and the reason I, I, I want to do a profile interviewing him was about 10, 15 years ago anyway. It was, he appeared in Chinese media quite a lot. He appears in Chinese CCTV and central TV and the local TV and newspapers. He accept interviews from official Chinese media a lot. Uh, he, he denied my request of interview on behalf of Voice of America. <laughs> isn't, that, is, isn't that ironic? Yes. Yeah. Well, the Chinese Chinese media people know he's pretty itch to reach. If you want to, if you give him exposure in China, interview him on his business, say something good about China, he is available. Voice of America, of course not. <laughs> See? And uh, at least I know telecom, energy, shipping, all kind of business. I have. I can't find any records of how much money he actually made, but I found record of one of his deals. One telecom company is $400,000 per year, just wow. sitting there. Yeah, it's My only goodness. one deal. He made many deals. Oh. So that's Sasha, his family. We're killing ourselves to make 100 that money. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Remember, they only sent their least competent son or daughter to do business. The more competent ones are doing the governing business. The more competent ones are governing us and using their influence, they sent these competent family members to earn money. Look at the Joe Biden family, same thing. You have Bo Biden, who was a decent person, as what I heard, and he was assigned to do politics. He became attorney general. And uh, well, uh, Joe Biden, when he, he wanted to run for president, I want his son to be the senator, but he died, unfortunately. And who they sent to do business? Hunter Biden, the least competent sibling who was doing drug and having women problem, drug problem, drinking problem, whatever problem, that's the one for business. So we all know Companies don't hire them for their competence. Companies hire them for connection. And anyone denying it is deceived. Try it. The intention is deceiving. Well, anyway, so yeah, let's go to the next slide. The next big slide also. I put the Clintons there because Hillary Clinton, at least, she was Secretary of State and she was diplomat in that sense, a top diplomat. The Clintons had a different way to make money compared to the Bushes. I learned 
throughout years that records of like Clinton's brother, Roger Clinton and Hillary's brother, uh, what's his name? They all try to do business in China quite unsuccessfully. Similar in a way, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because those are real incompetent people. Real, real incompetent. Like, uh, I know Hillary, Hillary Clinton's brother was trying to launch a multi-million dollar uh, well, a, to attract Chinese investment immigrants. And uh, he was working with Terry McAuliffe. So he went in China, made a speech, but people said, okay, so what? Then did not invest. So quite unsuccessful. But the Clintons are very successful in one business, which is making speeches. When Bill Clinton went to China the first time in early 2000, made a speech in Shenzhen, uh, that was in history the most expensive speech anyone made in history. $250,000. And later, he was making multiple speeches in China, sometimes like two speeches, uh, more than half a million dollars a day. And actually, in that time, the reports from China, that time, the American president's salary was $200,000 a year. So the report said Clinton made more than twice of his salary within one day. And uh, later, the most expensive speech Clinton made, $750,000, one speech. I can't find records of how many speeches Clinton made and how much he earned from China. But we all know it's millions, many millions. And lots of speeches are uh, in public, but lots of speeches are in private for business group, or trade association or something. So those speeches did not even appear in the media. I have no idea. But the Clinton, Bill Clinton, made a record of money, money making, a money wealth creation by making speeches in China. Sasha, before China became so important, the same ex-presidents used to fly to Japan, and they would get paid for their speeches, right? Yes, but not much. I remember Ronald Reagan when, you know, we are talking about ex-presidents, right? Reagan, once Reagan made $20,000 in Japan in 1990 or something, it's quite a small amount compared to later. How, and George Bush, uh, W, W made, made a speech in Japan, also made like a six-figure, which was big news but not like Clinton. Clinton is the king of that. <laughs> you got to be good at something, I guess. <laughs> oh, he's good. He's good at making speeches. That I don't deny. Clinton is quite much, lot of fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to him in person several times. It's quite, quite fun to listen to. And I think well, for all the presidents, the first time I listened to Reagan on TV was his Berlin War speech. I just came to from China that time. I cried like a baby. <laughs> Next, George, the, the two Bushes, not much. And the Clinton was quite some. Obama, quite, quite a speaker. And uh, while well, Trump is always fun to listen to, I listened to Trump in person at least 30 times because I was covering his campaign. 
And uh, each one has a different communication style. We can talk about it in another show. But Trump, if you watch him on TV, was so-so. Mm, but if you see him in person, he was, he was communicating with his audience quite different. And Clinton too. So it's just their, their style. But Clinton made quite a wave in China. Sasha, you have uh -huh. an open card blanche, you know, uh, time time slot on P Gurus. Anytime, any okay. topic you want to talk about it, share your thoughts. The floor is all yours. You're such a pleasure to listen to. So uh, oh, let's go on. Is there, is there another slide left after this or is this the yes, last one? Yes, go to the next slide. We go to another Secretary of State. But if, if you look at the picture, well, ignore the first woman, she's relatively junior but she does all the work and uh, and if you look at the man there is steve hadley and um, bush uh, w's national security advisor and then of course county rice and then the one next if people remember me that's bob gates secretary of defense hmm. they are in business together if you look at you know this are very very powerful people right and what they do is that they work they work on energy they concentrate the bush family remember these are bush people yes, and oil uh, man. <laughs> and also oil man right bob gates also worked in texas was the president of texas amn steve hadley is a lawyer and a county rice well, Soviet experts, but they focus on working uh, on the energy sector. And they also have a China department working with China. Uh, I have to disclose a little bit, Steve Hadley is a personal friend. So if I don't say, uh, well, I first that uh, he's a nice guy. I don't know anything bad about him, but I just, as a journalist, I have to say something here, right? Absolutely, so I have to absolutely. I have to disclose. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Anyway. And who's the last person, uh, Sasha? Bob Gates. No, no, no. Oh, you the, mean the, the woman? The woman yeah. on the, uh, well, she's, she was working for the State Department. She was a diplomat. And uh, her name, I at least I never heard her name before she joined the firm. I know in the beginning, it was, only, it was uh, Hadley, County Rice, and the Bob Gates. They started the firm and she joined later. Uh, that's one very interesting detail. I would, you know, one story I want to tell. And yes. uh, I, I'm not sure if that story is well known. When Trump was elected in 2016, Trump did not know many, you know, during his campaign, people said, you got to form a cabinet. You got to name your people. Trump said, no, 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 that's bad luck. So Trump actually was elected not prepared and remember in that time trump was going all everywhere to look for candidates for his cabinet so county rice if you just think back the history only about 10 days before the election she issued she issued a st statement and she said well trump republicans should replace trump with some some other candidates because of that uh, NBC's uh, disclosed scandal, whatever, she issued a yeah. statement. So she did not vote for Trump. And in a way, 
judging from what she said, she hated Trump. One of the never Trumps, Trumpers. So very interestingly, after Trump was elected, Trump was looking for a Secretary of State, and Trump went to Condi Rice, which says said something about Trump. Yes. And uh, Condi Rice gave Trump a suggestion that, well, uh, Rex Tillerson, who's the, of course the head of uh, of Exxon. Yes. Rex yes. Tillerson very good guy and uh, can deal with things, things calmly, great manager. So that's how Trump picks Rex Tillerson as his Secretary of State. Wow. Yeah. We learn that something story, new every day. Yeah, that story, I, I found it amazing because, you know, it got reported once or twice, but that story was generally unknown because, you know, the media tried to describe Trump as such a narrow-minded, ignorant, and whatever, make enemy-making kind of uh, idiot. Actually, I have met him once, Sasha, and he's a very nice person to talk to. Yes, uh, I mean, He's I know. pretty quick on the draw. I mean, he's very, very smart. Uh, he, I mean, he knows how to, you know, connect. He knows how to uh, engage. So please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, these are people who are also doing business with China. And let's go to the next and I think the last slide. Yes, yes. Since we are in the last slide, I think I'm allowed to do some some sort of a, a tabloid type of rumor. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's not totally tabloid. It has good source. So let's quickly go through uh, the brand start. The first, you know, one on the left hand, uh, left upper side. He was ambassador to China in the Trump administration. Before that, he was governor of Iowa. Interestingly, if you look at the picture of him with Xi Jinping, when that picture was taken, they met like 26-something times. I see. Xi Jinping knew Brent Start in the 1980s. When Xi Jinping first uh, visited the United States and he, he was a very young cadre then, and he stayed in Iowa for a month or so. He met Brandstart. That's why Trump nominated Brandstart to be the Chinese ambassador and said he had the personal relationship with Xi Jinping. And I, I think his son is do, doing business with China, and they are doing business with China for sure. And if you look at down there, the left-hand side is Max Barkas. Marcus Marcus, Democrat, before he was appointed as Obama's ambassador to China, he was uh, he was a senator, and uh, well, I actually bumped into him before he went to China. And the funny thing is that I he was Democrat, he is still Democrat. He, I somehow bumped into into him in the Republican Club in Capitol Hill, the Capitol Club and uh, a bunch of Republican senators and uh, congressmen are having lunch with him. I was at that time I was thinking why you know the Republicans are having dinner with him but anyway after he left his China post he's he's now again as a pattern launch a China business launch a consulting business and work with China many many issues 
we should so far we should not be surprised by that pattern. Okay, now let's go to the picture on the right. Well, that's Ambassador Gary Locke and his wife Mona Lee. Here's some very interesting story. Ambassador Gary Locke is the third generation American. His his grandfather came from Toisan, and my mother came from Toisan as well. So he could speak some Toisanese and Cantonese. And uh, I heard he could read some Chinese that much. Anyway, he has a Chinese uh, background and he was Obama's ambassador to China before Max Buckles. Anyway, Gary Locke, before that, he was governor of Washington state. His wife, Mona Lee, was uh, Miss Asian USA in the 1980s. Very oh, beautiful wow. woman. You can see she's <laughs> a very beautiful woman. Anyway, so they got married. You know, she, at that time, she was uh, a TV anchor. Their marriage was sort of quite a story because Gary Locke hired a helicopter and, uh, and dropped a, a big flyer from sky uh, proposed to her, said, Mona, I love you. <laughs> so the marriage was a very romantic story. They have three children. Anyway, he went to China in 2000, I think it's 2011, after Obama, you know, that time. In that time, the Chinese media, you know, the State Department has some rules. So if you, if the fly is longer than 13 hours, you get you can uh, purchase business class, otherwise you have to fly coach, that sort of rule. So uh, he flew to China, that airplane it was like uh, 12 hours or something like that. Anyway, Gary Law flew his family coach. In that time, it makes big news in China. The Chinese media attacked him, said, well, he was just making a show. America said, it's so fake. He can't afford a first class or business class. Now he flew coach to show how, how clean it was, something like that, which is very, very laughable. Gary Locke went to China. In the beginning, he was sort of a stand firm to China. Uh, even in Obama's time, he helped some dissidents and uh, also that sort of story. And uh, gradually, he mingled with Chinese a lot. And uh, suddenly, two years later, very sudden, his wife, three years later, his wife announced they're getting a divorce, angry divorce. So here's the rumor part in the Chinese media, tons of reports, and uh, said Gary Locke was having an affair with some Chinese lady uh, with names, and uh, one of them is a TV anchor. Anyway, beautiful women, both of them, uh, uh, with two women. Uh, well, that's just a rumor. But anyway, they divorced, and she left China, came back to the States, and he stayed in China a little bit and resigned and went back to, the, to America. And then immediately, she went back, he went back to his old law firm doing, guess what, lobby. China business. Yeah. yeah, lobby, consulting, whatever, it's all in China business. 
So now, so far, I think we can see a pattern here. A pattern is that American politicians, American diplomats, after they serve China, uh, in China, serve the United States, well, they, they have no hesitation to go to business. I remember once I was, a few years ago, I was attending a conference in Taiwan with some American young diplom diplomats there. And also there, I think in Taiwan, Hong Kong, I forgot. Anyway, uh, the, yeah, in Taiwan, uh, the American general counsel in Hong Kong was also there. And his colleagues whispered to my ear, he said, I bet you that guy, the counsel, that that guy will join Chinese business board and do that right, right after he left his post. And then he added, every one of them did. And I came back and checked the general, the, the American consulate, checked the council name. The young man was right. Everyone did. So this wow. is how it works. Yeah. Wonderful, Sasha. And uh, see, the country is being sold on a platter. And uh, when yeah. it was to smaller countries, maybe the damage wasn't as bad as it is with China, because China has managed to infiltrate just about every institution in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. this is something that's very apparent to you and I. For some reason, many people refuse to admit the truth. It is staring them in the face. And uh, you're seeing the actions. In America hasn't decisively moved against China for the virus. They haven't even decisively moved to locate the source of the virus. So you, you're seeing how many walls are being put in front of them, placed in front of them. And, and China went and occupied Hong Kong and nobody even you know broke stride. It's very, yeah. very, very sad. Very sad how far yeah. they have uh, reached inside. Uh, Sasha, let's uh, again meet in a few days when we have uh, going to discuss the next segment. Viewers, we are about maybe halfway in there. And uh, there are very many more people, many more industry segments that we're going to talk. In conclusion, if you would like to say something, Sasha. Uh, I guess that's it. it's a very depressing note, I understand. But I think it's time for Americans to wake up and for the whole world to wake up. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. And please do like, share and subscribe to our channel. And do click on the bell button for notifications. Thank you very much, Sasha. Namaskar. Thank you. Thank you.